Armed American Radio listeners, today's Armed American Radio's recorded version of the national radio broadcast, the Armed American Radio podcast, is being brought to you today and every day by North American Arms. Make sure to visit NorthAmericanArms.com for the finest mini revolvers on planet Earth. NorthAmericanArms.com. Enjoy the show. is Armed American Radio. If they want to take my guns, they're going to have to bring a station wagon and a whole lot of friends because I'm not giving them anything. From the Car Firearms Group Studio. On the Sig Sauer Platinum Microphone. Mark, we know they want to take our guns, and now we're going to make them eat it. Freedom might be an uphill battle sometimes, but freedom will always prevail. Proudly presented to you by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. Here is your host of Armed American Radio, the loudest conservative voice in America fighting for your rights, Mark Walters. 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 And here we go, round two, Armed American Radio's monster cast well underway from George's AAR Ranch here in the Car Firearms Group Studios. Mark Walter sitting in front of this powerful and platinum Sig Sauer microphone. It's all being brought to you by the great X Insurance. And let's not forget all of our other partners. You can find them all at armedamericanradio.com. And we're going to have some new ones we're going to be introducing. Greg in Dallas, Texas, some fun new stuff coming, my brother. Sounds good. Some fun new stuff and some great companies, some great products. Yeah, they're lining up. We're going to have a great 2024, and we're going to bring the best of the best to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to all of our affiliates, uh, several hundred of them across the country right now. We are live, coming to you, as I said, from Georgia's Armed American Radio Ranch, Car Firearms Group Studios lit up, Sig Sour Mike. Greg, would you be kind enough, please, to tell people where they can watch the program, as long as they're not driving, in high definition, and participate in the chat, please. Sure, just head on over to armedamericanradio.org or .com. On the right-hand side of that website, you're going to see the menu icon. Just give that a click, and when that window opens up, you'll see that Watch Live option as well as the Listen Live and the podcast link. If you would like to support the show, well, the shop link's right there as well. If you want to join our live chat, all you have to do is head on over to your app store, grab the Telegram messaging app, create your profile, and search for Armed American Radio Conversations. Bam, pow, zam, that will get you in. Let's go to our next guest for the hour, Stephen Gutowski, CNN contributor. I love that. Good friend of ours, good friend of yours, and founder of The Reload, thereload.com. You should join that, ladies and gentlemen. It's inexpensive, and you can get the same information that real journalists that actually want the truth will seek at thereload.com. Stephen Gutowski, welcome to the show, my friend. Always a pleasure to have you here, brother. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, always a pleasure. So you know, I don't know how I missed you this week. How did that happen? Tell me you were in Vegas and I missed you somehow? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a big <laughs> convention, right? It was, And it was especially busy this year, I thought. Yeah, well, let me get your thoughts. on. First of all, it is a big convention, obviously, and it's getting bigger every year as they continue to expand the floor. 18 acres we were talking about with AWR Hawkins. We'll talk briefly about SHOT Show, I want to get Stephen's perspective on what he saw from an industry standpoint and is is writing about or will be writing about. But, you know, that media room is kind of small, and I don't know how I didn't see you there. So let me apologize to you because I should have found you there, and, and I'll apologize on a live microphone right now for, for not hooking up with you because I would have loved to have spent some time with you. So let's, let's, go, let's go to the Shooting, Hunting, and Outdoor Trade Show and get your perspective. What was your takeaway from this year's massive convention, the state of the industry 
etc. Did you get a chance to go by the ATF booth? I'd love to get your perspective on some of what I saw over there. Well, give us your thoughts. What, what was Vegas about to you? Yeah, I mean, I think to me it's about a lot of the, seeing a lot of rebound in the industry. You know, we, we've seen the numbers are, are improving as far as uh, gun sales go and company profits for, from some of the publicly traded companies. You know, some of the things we can look at as objective measures are, are improving for the industry after, you know, they were coming down from that huge spike in 2020. And, and it seems to me that the the new normal, so to speak, has arrived and, and perhaps now things are ramping back up. Uh, and, you know, that floor that we've seen was still above those pre-2020 levels. So the industry is is doing quite well from a business standpoint, I think. And, uh, of course, at the same time, it, it's facing a lot of political uh, uh, issues. You know, a lot of political opposition, uh, opposition from the current administration. You know, there's all sorts of new efforts by the Biden administration to uh, curtail the industry, even um, one that we saw just recently that was playing out at SHOT Show. I did an exclusive interview uh, for members over at the Reload with a gun exporter because, you know, the Biden administration has effectively shut down exporting licensing, and they want to severely restrict how much American gun companies can export to uh, nations overseas, even our allies. So, you know, it's it's interesting state for the industry right now. So I, I'm in agreement with you. I think 2024 is going to be a good year. And what we saw on the floor, I think, is indicative of that. If you think I'm wrong, let me know. But the political pressure, let me go to the political pressure, because those political issues, when the industry faces political issues, don't we tend to see firearm industry numbers rise? And there's a weird dynamic in place. Because we have growing demographics. We have black Americans and women that are buying guns in record numbers. And you have seen and you've reported on the number of NICS checks, et cetera. We're in record territory. Yet the industry had a tough year last year, as was predicted by a number of folks that I know, and they were spot on. But the political issue, Stephen, doesn't that seem to bode well for the industry coming up as we go into an election year? Because the Democrats are not backing off. Normal to go to the center during an election year, even if you're a far-left president, Biden is not doing that, and gun control seems to be taking center stage as we get closer. It's very weird to see, but I think that will bode well for the industry as they continue to put, as the Democrats continue to put political pressure on the industry. Your thoughts on that, please. Yeah, I think that's accurate. You know, 2024 being a presidential election year, where there's whatever the outcome of, uh, you know, who's going to be running, there's likely to be very stark difference on gun policy um, and and that threat will exist of new gun bans because uh, you're right president biden has not backed off on his gun control efforts at all in fact he's more or less doubled down on them uh, you know increasingly coming up with new ways to use the administrative state to try and impose restrictions um, and and i do think that that has traditionally of course increased demand for guns because people want to be able to buy the guns that they are worried will not be available in the future, right? That's a common common uh, motivator for a lot of gun buyers. And so, you know, I, I, it would make sense that you'd see an increase. Uh, I will say that, of course, like, if you do things like cut off licenses for exporting guns, it may not have a huge impact on 
some of the major gun makers out there, especially multinational gun makers that can, that can produce guns in other countries and, and get around these sort of American export rules. But uh, but I think, you know, that's going to be a challenge just on the base level of being able to sell guns. No, not inside the United States, right. but it's still going to impact their bottom lines for a lot of these guys. Yeah, in addition to that, there's still inflationary pressures here domestically, economically, that, let's face it, okay, my wife did the grocery shopping this morning. All right, the bills are through the roof, through the roof. I mean, I'm talking nine items. I was talking about this on The Daily Show last week. But nine items in the front part of a shopping cart at Costco, 180 bucks. I didn't even go to the basket, okay? Just a little front part where your kid would sit with their feet through facing you. And it was 180 bucks. And a lot of people in various income levels around the country are at a point where I'm not going to buy that new $599 gun. I have a gun. I'm going to sit where I have. That's going to press sales down lower. But I think the, I think the political pressure may override that as we get closer to the election, depending on how far the administration pushes, pushes it. And all indications are, as you just mentioned, he's doubling down now with new executive action, et cetera. So maybe that will be enough to override some of what's happening with exports. It, it's, there's a lot in play here economically, ladies and gentlemen. But I, I do believe that the industry will come out, well, simply because it is a political year, and that pressure is you're going to have a lot of Americans say, nah, nah. I'm going to have to do what I have to do to get whatever it is I feel that I need. And I think the industry will wind up rebounding from the past year. Not that it was bad, but it wasn't as good as it's been in previous years. Is that a, a safe way to say it? It wasn't bad. It just wasn't as strong as we would like to see it. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, it was the third best year uh, in history as far as mix checks go, uh, which is you know our main barometer for gun sales. Mm-hmm. And and it really the end of the year, the fourth quarter was really good. I mean, you even saw a record uh, Black Friday background checks. So, um, you know, it seemed like things were slow to be the first three quarters and then really picked up in the fourth quarter as we head into this election. All the things that you just described make a lot of sense uh, as to why that might be happening. Uh, of course, you know, guns are, guns are also pretty – uh, durable good, right? So if somebody bought a gun a couple of years ago for the first time, you know, they may not be at the point yet where they want to buy another gun or they feel the need to buy another gun, uh, especially with you know, the economy's in a weird place. It's, yeah. it's cons- Consumer spending is up. There's some really good indicators. But at the same time, like you mentioned, prices are still really high to a lot of people. And so they might not be willing to go out and make as many you know, sort of luxury purchases. And for a lot of people, a second, third, fourth gun is not not a necessity purchase. Right? Yeah, I think what you'll see, Stephen, is you'll see first-time gun buyers. This is where the political pressure comes into play, where a lot of first-time gun buyers, as the year progresses, come third and particularly fourth quarter after an election, depending on the results, will stoke those numbers. First-time gun buyers will come out of the woodwork. We've got Stephen Gatowski for three more segments. Don't go away. It's going to be a good one. segment of Armed American Radio is being brought to you by Defender Coffee. When you drink Defender Coffee, you're making a donation to a gun rights organization of your choice that protects and defends your freedoms. Welcome back to the show. Ah, welcome back to the show indeed. Mark Walters here at AAR Ranch, Car Firearms Group Studios, lit up for you. Sig Sour Mike, right there. 
X Insurance presenting it all. Please make sure to go out of your way to visit all of our partners. DefenderCoffee.com. Drink coffee. Support the Second Amendment. Win-win. Goat guns. Ooh. Start your new hobby and your new addiction. GoatGuns.com. Coolest little things in the world. And they're priced right. 29 bucks, 39 bucks, 49 bucks. You build them yourself. They take about 10 minutes to build, and you'll love them. You can accessorize them. Start your new collection. Great for the office. Great gifts. If you're looking for gifts for that gun lover in your, ha- in your house or your family, your friends, your work colleagues, GoatGuns.com. Use the promo code AAR. Take 10% off right off the bat. Don't forget the MyPillow slippers. Support Mike Lindell. He has supported your right to bear arms now for near 10 solid years. It's as simple as buying a pillow, a pet bed, sheets, blankets, whatever it is. They've got you covered. It is MyPillow.com slash Armed American Radio. And take advantage of all of the discounts over there and use that promo code. It's right there on the site for you. It's a beautiful website. Take advantage of it and say thank you. Support them with your wallet. It's cheap to do, and it supports your right to keep and bear arms, and it keeps us on the airwaves. As we head now this year into our 15th anniversary on April 26th, we couldn't do it without you, couldn't do it without our affiliates, and, of course, we couldn't do it at all without our partners, armedamericanradio.com for our list, and that list is going to grow here over the course of the next month. Let's go back to Stephen Gutowski from The Reload, thereload.com. Stephen, welcome back to the program, my friend. Let's go back to SHOT briefly for a minute. I think we covered the, the economic, the political aspect of it. Did you get a chance to go by the ATF booth? You know, I would have loved to have seen you write a column after having spoken to some ATF agents over there. Because I'm telling you, I've seen some of the funniest memes and photographs that people were taking right in front of them over there. I have to tell you, it was hilarious, quite frankly. Did you get over there by any chance? Uh, yeah, I did see people uh, kind of trolling the ATF. <laughs> That's uh, a good way to put the it. Time there. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, those guys at those booths, they don't, they don't talk to press. They don't do, they don't do like interviews. Um, I would like to, I'd really like to talk to director Dettelbach at some point. He did speak again this year. You know, it's actually one of the interesting things that you see is uh, on the other side of this, this sort of, um, I know we, we kind of talked a little bit about the political attacks on the industry, but there's also a specific political attacks on SHOT Show itself. Yes. Uh, so one, one of the reasons that that uh, Dettelbach was picked over uh, his the previous interim head was that the there were complaints from the gun control groups that the interim head was too cozy with the industry because he spoke at SHOT Show. Now, Dedebach has continued to speak at SHOT Show, so, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know why they don't, aren't as bothered by that. But uh, you also saw in the lead-up to this year's show a letter from uh, Senator Warren and Durbin and a couple of uh, Democratic congressmen that was urging the Commerce Department to not only extend their pause on the export uh, licensing delay or, or ban on issuing es- export licenses, but also to stop going to SHOT Show. Yeah. Um, and the problem with this is, like, these are industries that are, that, that are regulated by commerce and the ATF, and they need to have a working relationship. That is how they're supposed to be designed. Uh, and obviously, there's been a lot of politics injected into those two agencies and how they operate with regard to the gun industry, but... I mean, commerce is supposed to to support and promote American industry uh, at home and abroad, and ATF is supposed to be working with um, the gun industry, gun license dealers, 
to try and identify uh, you know, gun traffickers and people who are legitimately committing gun crimes so that they can stop them. And there's been a huge change in how these, these agencies approach the industry, um, and it only seems to be getting worse over time. Well, that's what, you're, what Stephen is referring to, ladies and gentlemen, is the weaponization of that department. Now, it's an interesting conversation because, the, as you said, they're supposed to work with the industry. But that is a strained relationship now, very strained, mm-hmm. because of the political pressures that you were just talking about. And, again, that's the weaponization of it. I tried to talk to ATF last year when I was there, and they were having none of it, okay? They take one look at your badge, and you're out of there. My question is this to them. If I had an opportunity to talk with one of them, I'd like to know how they feel being there. Because they've got to know that all 86,715 people there despise what's going on within that agency as it pertains to the industry that they are there supposedly to work with in, in commerce, as you said. We all know it's weaponized. I would be very uncomfortable if I were there. Now, I've never seen that booth trolled like that was a good way to put it. I've never seen it trolled like it was this year. And it was trolled. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go out online and find it. Just Google SHOT Show ATF memes and you'll find them. They're out there. And it's hilarious. There were people holding up banners. Uh, There were T-shirts. People were taking pictures of T-shirts that I can't read on the air while they were at the ATF booth. You know, I got to question those individual agents who know what it is they're working with right now and how they can even continue to do that job unless they're a part of that problem. And as far as I'm concerned, Steve, and I make no bones about it, I'm not speaking for you. It's just my opinion. But if you're an ATF agent that's listening to this show and you know you're working for a weaponized agency, you ain't a friend of ours. We know what you're up to. And that's being proven every single day. You, all you've got to do is look at revocations of law-abiding gun dealers. It's that simple. I wouldn't be comfortable. I, I personally wouldn't be comfortable being there. Would you? Is that a fair takeaway, do you think? You know, I think a lot of lower-level ATF agents um, don't, don't appreciate the politicization of the agency in this way. Um, you, you know, I've, I've spoken to a number of them over the years, especially back during the fight over the new director, and they don't want. There's a lot of people in the ATF who don't like this approach, mm-hmm. uh, who who view gun dealers as uh, partners in their attempt to actually stop legitimate gun crime, like you know, gang member uh, gun trafficking things like that, because that's that's most of what they spend their resources on, and so. Using them to instead uh, scrutinize regular gun dealers with, you know, fine tooth comb looking for things to give them trouble over when there's, you know, no no sign of criminal intent. Uh, I don't think that sits well with a lot of of ATF agents. Um, but you know, that that's just uh, what I've heard from. The ones who've been willing to speak over the years, obviously, I, I don't know how everybody there feels, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's obviously created, I think, a much you know, there's already a pretty strained relationship right between the ATF and the the gun rights movement for sure uh, that goes back decades, but um, uh, it does seem to have deteriorated even further. Yeah, and here's my take on it as we go to the break. I'll leave you with this uh, based on what you just heard from Stephen. It's my position. Too bad. Too damn bad. Here's why. The agency has been weaponized, whether you like it or not. 
And I will remind you again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're an ATF agent listening, there are law enforcement agencies around this country that are seeking experienced officers. Go to work for one of them because you are part of the problem. That's the way you're viewed. We view you as part of the problem. It's that simple. Too bad. It is what it is. Blame them at the top. But you're a part of it if you stick around. We'll be back. Two more segments with Stephen. We're going to the NRA next. segment of Armed American Radio is being brought to you by Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Don't forget to use the promo code AAR at MyPillow.com. Welcome back. Yeah, use that promo code AAR at MyPillow.com. Visit that MyPillow.com slash Armed American Radio and enjoy all the discounts over there. There's a ton of products up there and a ton of great discounts for you. And you can populate it right there on the site with the AAR. It's, It's all built right in. You'll see it when you get to the site. It's a beautiful website. They did us a solid over there and make it really, really easy for you. Make sure to check them out. If you're looking for some great firewood, cutting-edge firewood has you set up. We've got a cutting-edge fire going on right now over at the ranch, not too far from where I sit because it's getting a little bit chilly out there, and as long as it's cold in your neck of the woods, even when it's not, and you want some cooking wood, cutting-edge firewood has you covered. They ship all over the country, cuttingedgefirewood.com. Let's go back to the great Stephen Gutowski founder of The Reload and CNN contributor. Stephen, I want to make this very clear. When I closed out that last segment, I, I wasn't putting any words in your mouth. That was my opinion, and I want to make that very, very clear. It, it's my opinion that what the ATF is up to right now is un-American and is unconstitutional. They are pushing unconstitutional infringements, and if those agents know it and continue to work there, well, they must be okay with being un-American and pushing unconstitutional infringements against my rights and my gun dealers, etc. That's just my opinion. I want to make that clear. I'll give you the last word on that. And then let's go to the NRA. Boy, you've written extensively about it. You spoke with Cam Edwards. But go ahead and wrap up that ATF, and we'll move over to NRA. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's a lot of people in the gun rights movement that feel similarly to you. And um, it's a real issue that the ATF has to uh, has to deal with because uh, it's uh, becoming a serious problem i think for operating uh, effectively as an organization yeah i don't disagree at all as I, as I made very clear all right so <laughs> wayne lapierre is apparently admitted in court to grifting the nra for a long time that's not my opinion he made that clear in testimony did i mishear something or misread something or is that the takeaway no i mean he admitted to all sorts of wrongdoing in his uh, first round of testimony last week, and he's going to be on the stand again uh, Monday and Tuesday, it looks like. I'm actually up here in New York, so I'll be covering it as it happens. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot more things that he admits to on the stand as well. Now, will you be – maybe you can answer this, maybe you can't. I don't want to put you on the spot, but you are CNN contributor. Is this something that you'll be talking about? I'm assuming you're going to be in the courtroom covering this both for the reload will you also be covering this for cnn as well uh yeah most likely you know cnn it's a show-to-show thing so i i don't know exactly how they're going to work work in coverage of of the trial but i would assume that they'll they'll probably have me on to talk about it but uh, it will absolutely be in the reload i can tell you that much okay well that's good to know now 
I, I got to ask you, you know, you did an extensive piece when you spoke with Cam Edwards. Of course, we all know Cam is a very good friend of mine. He's a fairly regular guest on this show. He was invited to come on today, but for personal reasons could not. And we are setting up a time for him to come on next week. I would like to push that off for the Sunday show to give him a much bigger audience. But you've known Cam a long time. Did you, when you were talking with him about what's happened or I, happened and is still happening at the National Rifle Association with the trial going on, the civil trial going on up there, did you sense unease? He's, he, you know, he, he was long associated with National Rifle Association, and when you were interviewing him, did he, uh, what, did he seem aware of what happened and, and kind of relieved that this is coming out? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say that he was uh, personally aware of all the stuff that was going on above right, him right. when he worked at the NRA, right? I think that's true for a lot of people who worked at the NRA. And, and the NRA, I think, had a lot of people who were, uh, like Cam, very dedicated to the mission of the group and who tried to operate as frugally as possible because they understood where that money comes from, which is, you know, NRA members uh, and, their, and their dues. I mean, the NRA really is funded by just millions of regular people uh they do get big donors as well but the bulk of their money comes from regular donors as you can see and how their revenues have have slipped as they've lost uh as they've lost members and so you know he was uh if you you know if you go and listen to that interview i think he was very disturbed by a lot of the things that have come out over the last couple of years and you know he's he's somebody who uh i think is very credible on this issue. Now, he worked for, technically, he worked for Ackerman McQueen, right, which was the, the contractor that was at the center of all of this. Uh, the way that this sort of scheme worked is they'd run NRA expenses through Ackerman McQueen in order to hide them from the NRA's uh, members, basically. You know, just to be straightforward about it, that's, that's how it worked. So Wayne did not want his private flights or luxury trips to be something that shows up in the NRA's reporting for, you know, as a, that's required as a nonprofit. And so they, they came up with ways to, to uh, bill it to Ackerman and, and, and then bill that back to the NRA without explanation for what it was for. And that was a super common occurrence and was used, gosh, tens of millions of dollars worth of, of personal expenses, luxury expenses over the years on all sorts of wild stuff. I mean, some of the stuff gets into like Brewster's Millions kind of territory. I mean, there was uh, Millie Hallow, who was the assistant for Wayne for a long time, also happened to be a a convicted felon for stealing from her previous job. Um, She, again, took money from from the NRA for her son's uh, wedding, but also managed to spend a hundred thousand dollars on concierge services in Paris over the course of two weeks. And it's like, I don't even know how you, how, how does that even happen? How is that possible? I, I, yeah, I'm speechless too. I, I'm, I'm speechless too. I, you know, I, just from a personal front, I can remember, and you know, hindsight, of course, ladies and gentlemen, you're always looking back in the, in high definition, the rear view mirror is very clear. Okay. But, you know, I can remember Stephen being at Indianapolis and standing out in front of uh, the main hotel that was attached to the convention center there. I can't remember what it was called. But I was getting ready to meet a couple of clients and discuss some business about this particular show when here comes an entourage of, you know, six or seven what looked like 
Secret Service Tahoe Suburbans, right? Black, you know, black cars, uh, SUVs, and out pops a number of people and a bunch of armed security earpieces. You know, it, it looked like Secret Service. And then out pops Wayne LaPierre. And I thought, seriously? It, it just, it looked bad. And I thought, my God, you know, this is the NRA. You're not a foreign dignitary here. And uh, it, it just stunk at that time. And you look back in hindsight with what you see now, and you, you wonder, as I wondered then, you know, it, it, it left a very bad taste in my mouth. And I'll be honest with you, I never gave another dime to the NRA that moment on. I did continue and still continue and would recommend that people continue, you know, stay a member of the NRA. You don't have to give them any money at this point. I understand why if you don't want to. But a couple quick questions based on what you're seeing and Boy, it'd be really interesting to talk with you next week after you're up there covering this and watching you on CNN coming up when I know that, that you'll be talking about these issues. But two quick questions. Do you believe there'll be anything criminal? Because what you just mentioned to me, it seems criminal. OK, there's charges for that. Is that what's coming next after admissions in a civil trial? Yeah, you know, I'm not a lawyer, right? So when I look at this and, and the allegations are that that Wayne and, and some others diverted NRA funds for their personal expenses. That's you're supposed to report that sort of thing on your taxes. And he was supposed to accused of doing this for decades. And so, it's, yeah, um, yeah, I, I uh, there was a report very early on that the IRS was investigating this, but haven't heard anything since then. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes they just don't go after certain cases or, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it is I, odd, isn't it? As far like, as how it looks, but I just don't know what, what. We haven't had any news about that yet. I will lead you. I'll leave you with this. Not lead you. I'll leave you with this as we go to this break. And I do have one more question about the NRA when we come back. And then we'll cover some more of your great work over at the Reload before we close out the hour with you. But uh, yeah, uh, I don't think we've seen the last of this. Let me leave it at that. We'll be back. One more segment with Stephen Gatowski. The Reload. Join up over there. We'll be right back. segment of Armed American Radio is being sponsored by Crossbreed Holsters. Make sure to visit CrossbreedHolsters.com. Now let's get back to me. Yeah, Crossbreed Holsters. I, I had uh, lunch with Crossbreed Holsters on uh, Thursday. And I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there are some new products. We're going to be putting some new, par- uh, some new spots in for some new product that Crossbreed Holster is moving that is absolutely dynamite. You'll start to hear those spots coming up in the next two to three weeks, and you'll hear me talking about them, which you're also going to get a glimpse of some more N8 Tactical material. Now, I've got several N8 Tactical holsters. N8 Tactical, of course, is run by Crossbreed Holsters, and they are absolutely dynamite. And some of those products are selling like crazy. That's N and the number 8, N8 Tactical. And you can find that all at CrossbreedHolsters.com, N8 Tactical. Look them up. And I'll, I'll focus on about three or four of those products, and I carry in some of those products, and they're absolutely second to none. Crossbreedholsters.com. Make sure to check them out. Go directly there. 
crossbreedholsters.com and look up N8 Tactical. You'll find some great stuff. And, of course, you can go right to my website at armedamericanradio.com. Click on the link. It will take you right there. And I believe there's still a show special going on. Save up to about 25%. May still be running. Either way, you still get a great deal at crossbreedholsters.com and N8 Tactical. Let's go back to Stephen Gutowski. We'll wrap up this hour. Stephen, uh, one more question about NRA before we move on to some other work that you're covering. Does the NRA survive this? You know, they've shed about a million, to, about a million and a half members. There's a lot of angry people out there. I, I was getting a lot of text messages with links to Wayne's testimony as it was breaking while I was at, at uh, Vegas this past week. And I got to tell you, it angered me. I, I knew it. And then now you see it. Okay, now it's real. It's not just speculation. It's not what I saw with my own eyes. Now you see the details of it. And as you said, these, there's crazy expenses out there. Do they continue to pick up members moving forward, or do they continue to shed members? How do they come out of this? Are they going to be financially viable? Is the NRA going to be what it was as far as size, or is it just going to wind up a, uh, just a shell of itself? Oh, that's a million-dollar question, question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think one thing to keep in mind in all this is the NRA is still much larger than every other gun group out there on either side of the issue, generally bigger than all of them you know, combined. Um, now, they might not be as effective in some areas, right? Like, uh, you know, the, the legal front, there's a lot, of, a lot of groups doing a lot of stuff. That's uh, including groups that you that you work with, right? Second Amendment Foundation, um, right. but but you know the the reason the NRA matters so much and and has for a long time is because they have millions of people who not just are signed up to an, an email list. You hear this a lot from like every town, for instance. We'll talk about they have they've got millions of members, but they they don't have millions of dues paying members. They have like people no. on an email list. They're Facebook it's not the likes. Same thing. It's just cyber stuff. Right. Exactly, and so. That that was the real power is that they could actually say that they had millions of people who would pay them money to be a member. Now you know they got stuff in return for that, but also, you know, they could activate those people in in elections and uh, at all levels. And and so you know they, they still have that core identity, and they still have a brand that everybody knows. And I think that if if they can actually affect reform, if they can clean up the organization, they can show that they really don't have these conflicts of interest that existed. They don't, they don't have executives living like rock stars anymore. Uh, you know, there's new blood in the organization. Uh, they changed the rules, that kind of stuff. I think it's absolutely possible that they could come back and be as influential or even more so than they were. I mean, Think about this. They they reached their peak. You know, they, they gained a million members between 2012 and 2013. And then right. they just kind of stayed at that point for almost a decade, right? Uh, you know, even before a lot of this corruption allegation came out, they really weren't doing well at growing the organization. Uh, they, they, they kind of stagnated for a while. And so um, I think there's a potential, given how many people have become gun owners in that time period, that they weren't reaching that it, you know if they fix things if they come back with a, a better strategy of how to grow and how to run the place there's absolutely a possibility that they'll that they'll be even bigger in the future but i think it'll take it'll take significant change and it'll take a while for them to get there yeah so this battleship's not going to swing on a dime is it and look let's be real the 
the NRA membership at its core is an aging demographic. Now, I, I will tell you one thing I find interesting uh, is that I would have expected to see more left-wing mainstream media coverage hammering the NRA that I'm currently seeing right now. And I'm curious, as, as, are you sensing the same thing? I would have thought I'd seen a lot more. Everybody loves to beat on the NRA. Left-wing media loves to beat on the NRA. We know the anti-gun groups are going to do it, and they're doing it. They'll never let you down. But when it comes to the ABCs and NBCs so that we can CBS, and with all due respect, CNN and some others, MSDNC and the like, I'm not seeing the level of coverage I thought I would, particularly given the allegations and now the testimony that's come out. Maybe it's just too soon, but are, are you feeling the same thing? Yeah, you know, it's a good question. I think it, it speaks to the NRA's uh, diminished role in yeah, politics point. these days. You know, they're not being talked about as much because people don't uh, – a lot of this is baked in, right? These allegations have been out for years now. Uh, it does matter that Wayne is admitting to more and more of them in court, but but I think a lot of, a lot of people had already come to the conclusion that this stuff was true, um, including a lot of NRA members, right? That's why they have so many left. Uh, over the years, but but so and then at the same time, they just are so hampered by the legal costs involved with this case, or at least the way that they've chosen to pursue this case, to where they're paying, you know, a hundred million plus dollars to to the lawyer, the outside lawyer that they've uh, decided to go with, uh, Bill Brewer, and and so that is, has really limited what they can do politically um, and across the entire organization, you know, uh, training and safety as well. You know, everything has been cut back on because they've yeah. lost money and they've had to divert so much toward defending themselves from these allegations. And, and so, you know, I think that's played a big role in their, uh, their public viability, like how much people think about them anymore and, and how much news coverage they get. Yeah, that's why the aging demographic comes into play, I think. You know, it's it's going to be imperative that the NRA pick up a younger demo. And I at this point, I I don't know how that happens. I don't know how it happens quickly. And I guess my question is, can it happen quick enough to make them a player again? Because we have seen, as you well know, and you've covered and you know, the, the leaders of the organizations, including the ones I work with. I'm on the board of the CCRKBA, Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms. Of course, you know, I work very closely with Gottlieb and the Second Amendment Foundation for many, many years. And you, you have to wonder, you know, with the strength that these groups have picked up, is the NRA even going to be a player moving forward? Stephen, we, we don't ever have enough time. I could easily keep you for six more hours if I had six more hours. I, let me thank you right now for being here. I appreciate it very, very much. Tell people, please, where to go get the reload. Ladies and gentlemen, where he sends you is where you want to be. It's where real journalists go to get real information, whether they write about it or not. They're reading Stephen's work to get the truth. Stephen, where can we go to get it? Yeah, you can head over to Reload.com, and you can listen to the, the Weekly Reload podcast, the, which Cam Edwards was just on, uh, on any of your, your podcast apps as well. Thank you, Stephen, for being here. We appreciate it very much. Stephen Gutowski, The Reload, and, of course, CNN contributor. Keep your eyes peeled on CNN. You're going to watch him reporting on this. As he said, he's up in New York covering the NRA debacle in court. He'll be there all week, so expect to see some great reporting from him over at CNN. You will get the truth from him. You will get the facts. He will not bend either way. 
He will give it to you straight dope. When we come back, a classic Armed American Radio roundtable with Justin Moon, CEO of Car Arms, Brad Primo, CEO of Lead Slingers, and reporter Neil McCabe. We'll be back. You've just filled your prescription for freedom with Mark Walters, presented by X-Insurance. X-Insurance. On the Armed American Radio Network. 